disruption is a buzzword and a theme that's hit almost every industry. Retail, autos and transportation, the universe of millennial preferences driving all sorts of markets, and even healthcare with new entrants changing an historically untouchable system. Philanthropy and the nonprofit sector are not exceptions. Whether you're a nonprofit raising funds to support your mission or you're a funder providing philanthropic support, disruption is afoot. Seriously, we are at a turning point on many levels where it, what it takes to be effective going forward may look very different than it did in the past. Hi everyone, I'm Claire Gola, head of Bernstein's Endowment and Foundation Advisory Services. This is Inspired Investing, where we inform and educate organizations and individuals who strive to invest purposefully with and for a mission. So if you've heard any of my colleagues discuss the capital markets over the last year or so, you're familiar with the fact that we expect lower returns coupled with higher volatility across major asset classes over the next several years uh, versus what we've seen historically. So for entities relying on annual distributions to support their programs or for foundations seeking to maintain their support for important causes without eating into their principal, we're going to have to think differently. With investing, this could mean things like adding certain assets with different sources of risk and return than traditional asset classes, and perhaps where appropriate, the advantage of not marking to market or what some of us might call an illiquidity premium. It could mean inching up the risk spectrum a bit overall, but that could come with more than its fair share of additional volatility. Or maybe it's better aligning our investments with our mission through purpose-driven and or impact investment, or for foundations, even the concept of program-related investments to satisfy that part of the 5% spend. Or, as we know, the investment portfolio does not exist in a bubble. We could think about A, spending less, I know that doesn't sound so fun, or B, raising more money, also kind of tricky. These two are tricky, but fortunately, there are some incredibly innovative professionals out there who are dedicating their careers to disruption. They're using technology in some cases to expand and in other cases to narrow down and focus and hopefully make more effective or impactful decisions in the way we give and receive. So what do I mean by this? Well, I recently took a trip to our nation's most generous state by several measures, the state of Minnesota. I was fortunate to sit on a panel with the CEO of GiveMN, Jake Bloomberg, and Andrew Dayton, who's the founder and CEO of Constellation Fund, which is a Minneapolis-based grant-making organization focused on supporting individuals below the poverty line. Jake and GiveMN are using technology to massively expand philanthropy from as many as people as possible to as many organizations as possible. And on the other hand, Andrew and his Constellation team are using predictive analytics and big data to more effectively channel dollars to anti-poverty organizations most likely to use it for measurable outcomes. We'll listen to some of the highlights here. To start off with, Jake talks about a challenge, especially to smaller organizations that GiveMN strives to address. One of the things that when we look at disparities in the sector that GiveMN um, saw at our founding and we are continuing to evolve around is what are the best ways that we can pursue our mission, which is to grow giving and ignite generosity. One of the things that was clear um, when we started doing research of how we could help nonprofits more is that there is an incredible need for nonprofits, particularly smaller nonprofits, to figure out what fundraising strategies they can use to engage individual donors. Uh, a couple statistics about the Minnesota nonprofit sector really framed our, our evolution towards a new program that we call Raise MN. Uh, those statistics, through a deep amount of research, 
showed that 74% of Minnesota nonprofits, and this holds true nationally as well, are uh, organizations with budgets of less than a million dollars. 72% of Minnesota nonprofits have at most one person who even has part of their job description as fundraising. Nearly half of Minnesota nonprofits, and again, this holds true nationally, have no one on staff responsible for fundraising. It's all volunteer-led. And finally, when we asked nonprofits if they were confident that they could reach their mission uh, through their current fundraising strategy, 69% of us said no. They were not confident that they'd be able to currently meet their mission with their fundraising infrastructure. And so we created a program in 2016 that we've been piloting and have recently launched at scale in March called RaiseMN, which is focused on helping smaller organizations in particular uh, build out their fundraising infrastructure. While Jake addresses one issue, which is lack of access to resources, Andrew addresses a challenge at the other end of the spectrum, how individual donors with financial resources so often tend to make charitable giving decisions. Businesses around the country, including here in Minnesota, are leveraging the full power of data, research, analytics to reshape industries, rethink complicated problems. But too often, uh, decisions in philanthropy are, are driven by, by other factors, by intuition, relationships, and historical giving patterns. And while well-intentioned, this doesn't necessarily correlate with impact, with outcomes. And what this means is we have a broken philanthropic marketplace. So in the for-profit world, we have factors like supply and demand, profits and losses that help to point to the investment opportunities that are best poised for success and to push out the ideas from the marketplace that aren't working. But that doesn't exist in philanthropy. We can't rely on competitive forces given that we don't know what the outcomes are. And so we're forced to rely on things like intuition and anecdote relationships. And what's more, it pushes people towards other areas of philanthropy where the impact is more easy to see, right? If you have a kid who's gone through children's, if you've gone to a university, you understand the impact. Andrew seems to be on to something here with this notion of philanthropic resources being channeled to where we've had personal experiences. So how can organizations without the same type of ready alumni network, like poverty alleviation programs, for instance, solve for this? Andrew goes on to discuss how his fund provides a solution. And so Constellation is, is founded to address these challenges based on the idea that smart philanthropy is kind philanthropy. We are trying to use the best available information to make the best possible investments in poverty alleviation, leveraging the full power of data, research, analytics to create benefit cost analyses that help us better understand based on evidence. If we give an organization a grant, what can we expect to be the long-term poverty fighting outcomes uh, for every dollar that we spend? Four of the state's leading economists who are helping us uh, do this work, build our metrics, folks who have sit on, or sat on the White House Council of Economic Advisors, uh, sit in some of the best research institutions in our community and are helping us use these tools really, really well. And the goal here is to drive resources into this challenge in the best way possible and to identify and scale and elevate those organizations who are demonstrably doing the best work. Because this is broken for the nonprofits too. The ones who are doing the best work can't distinguish themselves and can't separate themselves from the pack. And what's more, they certainly can't compete against these really strong fundraising machines that are, are at these bigger institutions. Technology is kind of like the catalytic converter in this model. It's figuring out how to use data to help you do a better job. In investment management, there's so much data available, it's almost humanly impossible to integrate it all without software systems helping you. So our fundamental analysts ask the right questions to extract useful information from huge pools of data, but they can't process it efficiently. 
So we've been introducing advanced big data techniques to tackle equity investing conundrums that couldn't be solved by human researchers alone. It's sort of a hybrid approach where technology isn't replacing by any means humans, but rather enhancing the work of our investment teams. Andrew explains how his company uses predictive analytics using the example of Google Maps. Uh, how many of you use Google Maps or some form of that to get here today? So of the thousands of ways you could have gotten here, Google helps to predict the fastest way to get here. And they do that by using predictive analytics, by leveraging the outcomes of all these community trials, people who have started in a similar location, trying to get to a similar destination, and then predicting the fastest way to get there. And by using all the information that's available in poverty alleviation, we can do the same thing. It's not perfect. You know, you could have run out of gas on the way here, in which case it wouldn't have mattered which route you took. But by leveraging this information, we can make smarter decisions about how to get to where we all want to go, which is a more effective approach to alleviating poverty in the Twin Cities. So just remember that if you're navigating in the Twin Cities, there is both Minneapolis and St. Paul. Don't confuse them or you'll likely make someone from St. Paul very unhappy. They will still be nice to you though because they're from Minnesota. <laughs> anyway, back to technology. Whether it's big data and predictive analytics or even a simple app that donors can access to send contributions, technology is likely to be as disruptive to nonprofits as it has been for the for-profit sector. Here, Andrew talks about the impacts and the drawback of current technology available for evaluating nonprofits. You know, I think there's some really good things that can happen with technology and some, some really, um, as with any technology, there's some downsides, right? I mean, we are leveraging tools that have been leveraged in the business world to understand where the best opportunities for investments are, right? And a lot of that can happen technologically. Um, it's also a lot of legwork on our end that you can't automate the evaluations that we're doing. It actually takes about six months for us to, to do a full evaluation with one of the organizations that we're evaluating. Um, but I think there's also some risk of folks feeling as though they have access to all the right information to make the best possible decisions. Just because you can go on to a nonprofit's 990 and see what its overhead is doesn't mean that you can truly understand what the impacts are. Often overhead, which is really now the only common denominator to compare different nonprofits, uh, is, is seen as a proxy for impact. And I would argue it's almost always the wrong proxy. Anyone who's run a business knows that you need to be able to invest in yourselves to make a, to make a profit. And so I think the downsides there are that this access to top line information can, can give us false sense of confidence that, that there's an understanding of what's underneath the hood when it really takes a whole lot more work to do that type of diligence and evaluation to understand exactly which organizations are, are producing the biggest impact. Technology is a tool that can leverage resources and democratize philanthropy to a certain extent. And democratize is almost as common, I think, a buzzword these days as disruption. In the most recent Giving USA report, survey results show that 54% of respondents preferred to give online with a credit or debit card, and 41% of donors have donated to crowdfunded campaigns in 2018. There's even some talk about how digital currencies could expand fundraising opportunities. The creation of charity coins or customized cryptocurrencies to raise funds for specific social impact projects could increase reach. But as I mentioned earlier, technology is really just a value add and not necessarily a replacement for other existing strategies. Jake talks about the misconception that technology platforms can or should replace good old fashioned relationship based fundraising strategies. Um, when we launched uh, Reza Men more widely in March, I was talking to um, a reporter from the Star Tribune, and 
And, and she asked me a question that has been rattling in my mind a lot, which was, uh, isn't this program to, to help uh, nonprofits build out their fundraising strategies and capacities counter uh, to give to the max day? Aren't we in give to the max day saying you don't need to have strategies, you don't have to have infrastructure, one day a year can do it. And I was like, oh man, that, that's absolutely uh, the scariest thing I can hear um, about uh, technology and giving. Because at the root of what um, fundraising is, is based off of relationships. Uh, we hear from a lot of organizations that um, run their first Give to the Max Day campaign um, without having connected with us on the front end. And afterwards, they come, they send us an email, and they're, they're kind of distraught that they did not raise thousands of dollars, um, even though they participated, and had the technology uh, in place. And the reality is, is that tools, without knowing what to do with those tools, uh, are, are just that. You give me a hammer. Um, I can maybe, just maybe, get two pieces of wood to stay together with a, a nail. Um, if you give that same tool of a hammer to a general contractor, they can build you a really nice house. Uh, the tools are only um, as good as those who are, are operating them. And the digital divide, once again, um, has the potential and is perpetuating the same inequities in our um, society that already existed before technology. Access to technology and knowing what to do with it are going to go along with the same organizations that had infrastructure and strategy to do fundraising well to begin with. Democratizing giving from GiveMN's perspective is not just about tools, but it's also helping organizations that aren't innately ready to know how to operate those tools to do it the best way and again, if we start looking at who the haves and have-nots are, communities of color uh, are left behind significantly, not just in fundraising overall, but in digital fundraising as well. So in wrapping all this up, we're at a turning point where giving is slowing overall, capital markets are expected to deliver less, and so funders and nonprofits are faced with the challenge of finding new and more effective ways to raise funds and to give funds. Thank you to Jake Bloomberg and to Andrew Dayton for sharing some of their insights on technology as a disruptor for good in terms of the inflows and the outflows of nonprofits and foundations. For those listening, just don't forget, though, that it's not just about what comes into the organization through fundraising or how much goes out through spending. It's also about what you do with what you've got or the portfolio management. All three of those together create long-term financial sustainability. Thank you all for listening. If you'd like to learn more from Bernstein's Endowment and Foundation Advisory Services, please see the link to our blogs in this episode's description. If you enjoyed this episode and haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, please go to the iTunes Store, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts to subscribe and rate us. Also, please email us with your thoughts, questions, and feedback to insights at Bernstein.com, and be sure to find us on Twitter at BernsteinPWM. Thank you. Bernstein making money meaningful for individuals, families, and foundations for over 50 years. Visit us at Bernstein.com.